This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Okay, tonight we are talking about, are you ready for this title? What and who are you yoked with? That's a loaded question. Because who you're yoked with can either be a super blessing or can be a really bad curse. And so as believers, um, you need to know about being yoked with people. So let's open up with prayer and then we're going to go into the message, okay? Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you, Lord, that you just give us all the answers that we need about life from now until forever, Father, because everything that pertains to us is in this word, Lord. You have the answers to every single situation in our life. Father, you have warnings out there. You have things that you want us to do. You have things you don't want us to do. And Lord, we just thank you for your instruction tonight on being yoked, either equally or unequally, Lord. And we thank you for showing us the difference in Jesus' name. Amen. How many of you have ever seen an oxen, a team of oxen, with a big wooden yoke around their neck, either in a picture or on a cowboy show or something? Anybody not ever seen an oxen yoked up? Okay, you haven't. Okay. Well, oxen are kind of like cattle, give or take. And they used to use them back in the, they probably still use them somewhere, but back in the olden days, in the, in the uh, covered wagon days, sometimes horses would pull the wagons or sometimes oxen would pull the wagons. And they had this huge, big wooden thing that they would hook around their necks. Like, you know, this one over here had one and this one, and it all hooked together. And they would pull the wagon together. So that's, that's called a yoke. That thing that they wore is called a yoke. So Webster's in the 1828 Dictionaries defines yoke as, a, as a, 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 a couple joined together. Another word is enslave or to bring into bondage or to restrain or to confine. So it depends on who or what you're yoked up with as to whether it's a blessing or a curse. Now I want you to open up your Bibles to 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 6. Amen, amen. This message is important for people that aren't married. It's also important for for people for other reasons. (laughs) We'll get into all these reasons, okay? 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 14. I'm in the New King James tonight. The Bible says, do not, say do not, be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. So the Bible specifically tells us, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. And then the Bible goes on to tell us why. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? They're two opposites. And what accord has Christ with Belial? Belial is another name for the devil. So what, what accord do we have with Jesus or with the devil? Is there any unity there at all? Absolutely none. Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God, as as God has said. I dwell in them, you know, we're the temple of the Holy Ghost, and walk among them. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, 
says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. So this verse isn't saying that, you know, you isolate yourself, you go hide yourself in the mountains, in the cave, whatever, and you separate yourself from people. That's not what this is talking about. This is not saying that you don't go to work, because a lot of people go to work, and you're working with unsaved people. The scripture is not saying that. The scripture is not saying don't talk to your neighbors, because you probably live in a neighborhood where not everybody's born again, you know. That'll happen when you get to heaven. So, you know, it's not saying that. What it is saying that when you're, when you're in a, a relationship, you need to be in a relationship that's godly. Okay? Not an ungodly relationship. So I want to talk to you about that. So, um, anyway... We can be yoked with somebody in a relationship, a marriage, a business. You know, some people are, have partners in their business. But if you're a believer and you have a partner that's not a believer, you're going to have a lot of problems because what you want to do with the money that, that is earned and what they don't want you to do with the money that is earned is two different things. And so you cannot be partnering or yoked up in even a business agreement type situation where the other person is, you know, Chuck, I'm standing here looking at your face. Chuck has a business. You know, Chuck, there's no way in God's green earth that Chuck's going to pull somebody in to be a partner with him. Yeah, he, he's his own man anyway. But he would not pull, especially pull somebody in that would be uh, a sinner, an unbeliever. None of the above. He wouldn't even go there because his business is actually a huge blessing. Chuck is a craftsman. I mean, he's just, he's just, everything he does, he does with excellence. And everybody that does business with him knows that. Everybody that does business with Chuck knows that Chuck's a Christian. You know, so there's no way that Chuck would decide, well, you know, I need a partner and then go pick some heathen. That's not going to happen. Because that would be the beginning of your end, wouldn't it? That would be, that it'd be done. What do you say? Their end. <laughs> yeah, right. Amen. So, once again, you know, we're talking about being yoked together with believers or with unbelievers. And most of the time when we think about this, we think about relationships, marriages, and things like that. Um, I want you to go to Mark chapter 10. I'm glad i got some single people in here tonight because you need to especially pay attention and take some notes because you can save yourself a whole lot of grief by listening to what God tells you to do or not to do. Mark chapter 10, verse 9. Ta-da. Mark 10, verse 9. Jesus said, Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. Or King James says, what God has joined together, let no man put asunder. Now see that first part, it says what God has joined together. Now I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but how many of you that are even married bothered to ask God if you're supposed to marry your husband or your wife? Did you even bother to ask? Yes, some of you that know better do. Those of you that didn't know, don't know any better, didn't know any better, didn't even bother to ask God. 
Lord, is this the husband or the wife that you have for me? And so a lot of times people that just choose their own, you know, they like the way she walks or she likes the way he does that or whatever, and then they decide, you know, they're going to get married. Well, at least they used to decide they were going to get married. Now they just shack up. And, you know, that, what, you know that's, that's bad too. You know, you're not supposed to be shacking up with people. You're not supposed to do that. You're supposed to ask God, you know, Lord, is this the woman, the man I'm supposed to marry? And then uh, get married. You don't need to go live together. You know, I've heard people say, oh, you got to try this out. You have to try out nothing. You get to know them, you know. So, anyway. So, uh, you know, I was telling you about Josh McDowell. I'll tell you a little bit about him. So, I wish I still had this tape. This is back in the day when they had, you know, tapes. But they don't have tapes anymore. They have CDs. So, I don't know what happened to my tape. But anyway, Josh McDowell was riding on an airplane one time. And he was engaged to be married to this woman. Christian guy. He was engaged to be married to this Christian woman. Well, while he's on this airplane trip, the, the Holy Ghost talks to him and says, I want you to break up. Let's just call her Susan. I want you to break up with Susan because she's not the one that I have chosen for your wife. Well, he dearly loves Susan. And he cried the whole rest of the way on that trip. And then he, when he got to wherever he was he was going, he talked to Susan and he said, I, I'm sorry, I can't marry you. Because the Lord told me that I'm not the perfect one for you. It's not that you're a perfect, you know, perfect for somebody else, but the Lord showed me that you're not the one for the path that he has chosen for me to be on, to be my help me. So he broke up with her. Did it hurt? Well, yeah. You know, he cried and cried and cried and cried. But then the Lord brought another woman along that was a perfect fit for him in the ministry that God called him to. So see, you can even marry the wrong Christian. That's why it's so important that you ask the Lord, is this the person that I'm supposed to marry or not? You know, and if he says no, then, uh, you know, it's a good idea just to run the other way. <laughs> it's a good idea to run the other way. And um, those of you that are dating now, you know, if you're, if you're, if you're a believer and you're, you're dating an unbeliever, you need to stop. You need to break it off until that person makes a decision on their own that they're going to be a sold-out believer like you are. Because if you end up marrying somebody like that, you're going to live in hell. And I'm just, I'm, I'm here to tell you that's just the way it goes because I went through that. Uh, yeah. Kathy will testify to that. I'll testify to that. I've been married before. I'll testify to that. It is hell married to somebody that does not want to serve God. Because... You're chomping at the bit to serve God. You love Jesus with your whole heart, and all you get is arguments at home. You know what I'm saying? So you don't want to go there. So you don't even want to begin, if you're dating, you don't even want to begin dating somebody that isn't sold out to Jesus. And we'll talk about that again in a minute. You know, like I said a minute ago, you can even marry the wrong believer. I mean, if you marry a Baptist with a Pentecostal... We know a couple like that right now, and they are, they are going through hell on earth. Because, you know, he believes in Christ the healer, and Jesus the Holy Ghost baptizer, and the whole deal, and she believes, and I'll be sick if I want to be sick, and, and, you know, I don't want any of this Holy Ghost stuff, and, you know, it's terrible. So you're better off marrying somebody that believes like you do. 
Now, you've got to be patient about this stuff. You know, you can't go around saying, oh, I'm, you know, I know somebody says to me, I'm too old to get married. The person's 28. I said, look, you're not too old. I have a son, my oldest son, Jason. He got married when he was, what, 43? 42, 43. He'd never been married before. And so he married, he married Lou, my little Philippine Island beauty gal. Married Lou, and she was, she's 35 or something. You know? She'd never been married. So, you know, I mean, you know, just be patient, you know? God will bring across, you know, the right one. My son Joshua, if he were here tonight, he would say, Mother, the word, the Bible doesn't say God's going to bring him to you. It says you've got to go look for him. So I said, well, one way or the other, you know, if you're praying for a mate, but you've got to be specific, okay? You've got to be real specific about what you want in this person. And God, you don't have to be so specific that, you know, oh, Lord, I don't want them to have any moles on their body, and I don't want them to be way more than 115, and, you know, you know, I mean, you know, let's get real here. You know, but, you know, they can look nice, you know. But let's not get so stupid that, you know, good Lord, have mercy. Okay, look at Amos 3.3. <laughs> Joel Amos. Amos comes right after the book of Joel. What fellowship does darkness have with light? What in the world do you talk about if you're dating somebody that's not a believer? What do you talk about? All I ever want to talk about is Jesus. They probably don't even want to hear about Jesus. So, you know, what fellowship does Christ have with, you know, the devil? What fellowship does darkness have with light? It's a good question, huh? It's a good question. It's a good guideline to go by. Amos 3.3 says this, Can two walk together unless they are agreed? Can two walk together unless they are agreed? You've got to be in unity. I mean, golly. You know, Pastor and I, we've been Christians forever. We've been married, I don't know, 35 years, 36 years, give or take. And... We're both sold out to Jesus, right? But you do, do we agree on everything? Heavens no. You know, we don't agree on everything. Do we have a little tussle every once in a while? You know, the, the spirit of, uh, what is that stuff called in when it flies through the air? Dingbat. Have you ever heard of the dingbat spirit? You ever watch old Archie on TV? You know, uh, that show all the family years ago? You guys are too young. <laughs> okay, so... In, in all of the family, Archie Bunker was married to Edith. Well, Edith was, he always called her a dingbat, okay? Well, sometimes the husband will be talking, you know, talking, making a subject. Well, the woman thinks he's talking about something entirely different. And so Archie would say to Edith, I'm talking in English and you're listening in dingbat. So, I mean, that happens in our house. You know, I'll be talking about something, and my mind is still focused on that, or vice versa. And he switches the subject, or I've switched the subject, and I'm still on the first subject. Well, he's on to the second subject, or vice versa. You know, and I'm sitting there kind of thinking, you know, da-da-da-da, and he's on some other subject, and, you know, he says, well, I'm talking in English, and you're listening in dingbat. So how many of you, how many are married in here? How many of you get along perfectly? 
The Bible says liars have a place in the lake of fire. No. <laughs> Hallelujah. Anyway, you know, we are in, you know, we are individuals, right? We all have our own opinions. Sometimes my agree with the pastor's opinion and vice versa. You know what I mean? But, man, when it comes to Jesus, we're right on. And, you know, even if, you, if, if you're married to somebody who's a believer like you're a believer, you know, Jesus will help you through the bumps. You know, he will just flat out help you through the bumps. So how can two walk together unless they be agreed? Eh. If you marry an unbeliever, you're going to want to go to church on Sunday because you're sold out to Jesus, Right? They're not, want to go, they're not going to want to go to church on Sunday. They're going to want to go quadding. They're going to, want to, go to, going to want to go to Disneyland. They're going to want to go fishing. They're going to want to go swimming. They're going to want to do something on a Sunday, but you want to go to church. Now, is that a problem or what? Starts off a big old problem, man, because what are you going to do? This can happen to both men and women. You know, I told you I've been working on this book, Women, They Can Make You or Break You. It's going to be an awesome book. I kind of put it aside. I've been working on this book for 20 years. Collecting evidence. What is my evidence? Watching people. I've changed the names in the book to protect the innocent, you know, or the guilty, whatever the case may be. But I've kind of put it aside for now because I'll, re- I'll, I'll write on it for a while and then I just kind of put it aside and I'll pick it up, you know. One of these days, I'll get that thing published and you'll be able to read it. But... Women, they can either make you or break you. But the same is true of men. Right? But people don't think that a wonderful Christian woman could be a real stinker. Hey, I'm here to tell you, they can be a real stinker. <laughs> so that's what my book's about. It's to, pro- it's to prohibit people from becoming real stinkers. There you go. Okay. So, look up Psalms 133. Joke, Psalms, Proverbs. You know, if you're married and your spouse isn't serving the Lord... You know, you can pray and la la la. I always tell the story of Neva Bray. Good Lord. That woman. Old, what was his name? What was his name? Pam, what was Neva's husband's name? What was his name? I can't, I lost it. Do you remember his name? Mr. Bray, how's that? Mr. Bray. James, right, James, James, James. Okay, James Bray was a brilliant man. He was a rocket scientist. He invented part of the thing where it ejects people out of the rocket thing, whatever, if you need to be ejected. He taught uh, Barstow College. Brilliant man. So little old Neva, she's still alive, she's, but she's older. She doesn't come to church anymore. But she used to teach in our children's ministry all the time. So every once in a while, you know, James would show up and... Uh, you know, most of the time he didn't. But whenever, like if Pastor and I would go see him, James, he was, this guy was so smart, you didn't understand a word he said. And he spoke English, you know what I mean? He was way up here somewhere. And he would talk and talk and talk and talk, and Pastor would listen to him. Let me just give you a secret about when you're ministering to people. 
you're sowing their ear, your ear time. You're listening to them, okay, as they go on and on and on and on. And you may not have a clue what they're talking about. But when you're sowing your ear time to them, know this in your heart. One of these days you're reaping your time from them. So James was 80-some-odd years old, and, and uh, he, was, he was ready to, to pass, you know. So Pastor and I go over to his house, and he starts talking about his latest whatever. And Pastor says, James, look, you've got about a week to live. I've listened to you talk for years. It's my turn. And Pastor led him to the Lord. But, you know, she lived with that man. She was a believer. She lived with that man, you know, married to that guy for, good Lord, 50, 60 some odd years. So, I mean, you know, if you're married, you know, I'm not saying run out and get a divorce. But I'm saying uh, maybe you should ask the Lord first before you married him. But, or maybe you got born again after you got married. Whatever. But keep praying for that mate. You understand what I'm saying? So that'll be good. So I'm in Psalms 133. Verses 1 through 3 say this. Um, it says this. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. You can say it this way. Behold how good and pleasant it is for husbands and wives to dwell together in unity. Isn't it nice when there's peace in your home? How good and pleasant it is when the church family dwells together in unity. Isn't it peaceful in here? You know why it's so peaceful? Because we're all in unity. We love Jesus. We serve Jesus. We work together. We pray together. We cry together. We rejoice together. We're a family. We're in unity. We have the same goal. Serve Jesus. Win others to Jesus. Grow in Jesus. We're in unity. You know, some churches aren't in unity. But we are. Could be that we don't allow people to not be in unity. Well, how do you do that, Mrs. Pastor? Well, it's real easy. When people come up to me and gripe and complain, I say, you know what? Pastor said it the other day when he was preaching. He says, you know what? Because we'll have people come up to us and they'll say, you know, you need to have a clothing ministry or you need to do this or you need to do that. You know, and Pastor says, you know what? Such and such a church downtown, they do that. You'd probably be happier there. And so, you know, we just send them on their way to where they will be in unity Instead of being here, driving and complaining about what we do, because we know what we're supposed to do, and we do it. So if you hook up with the vision here, then, hey, we're in unity. Doesn't that make sense? Okay, cool. So anyway, behold how good and pleasant it is for brethren, husbands, wives, church members, you know, da-da-da-da, family members, friends, to dwell together in unity. It is so cool, verse says, it is like the precious oil upon the head that runs down the beard, the beard of Aaron, running down to the edge of his garments. It's like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion. Then he says, For there the Lord commands the blessing, even life forevermore. So where's the there that? Where is the there that he commands the blessing? Do you know? It's in the unity. When there's unity, God commands the blessing. Isn't that cool? Where there's no unity, there's no blessing. See what I'm saying? So God says in verse 3 that when you're in unity, there the Lord commands 
the blessing, even life forevermore. That's a pretty cool promise, isn't it? I think that's pretty cool. Okay. Um, you know, if, you're married, if you marry an unbeliever and you have children, guess what, de- guess what the devil's after? Your children. They're the prize. Children are always the prize. They're either they're, they're the prize for God or they're the prize for Satan. You know, that's another reason why it's so important that you marry a believer if you're planning on having children. And then even if you don't think you want to be a parent today, you can change your mind next week. You know? Right? Okay. So look up Genesis 18:19. I want to show you something here. Genesis 18:19 is talking about Abraham. This is what God says about Abraham in verse 19. God said, "For I have known him, Abraham, in order that he may command his children and his household after him, that they keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice." that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. So Abraham, you know, out of all the people during that time that God could have chosen, he chose Abraham. Why? Because Abraham was a father that was going to raise up his children to serve Jesus or serve the Lord. Isn't that cool? You know, if you're dating somebody, in Jesus' name, they'll be a a believer like you. I said like you or better. Now, the Bible says that iron sharpens iron. You know what that means? You're a believer, they're a believer, and you guys, you make each other better. It's like sharpening a knife. Dull knives are no good. Sharpening a knife. You sharpen one another. You make one another better. You challenge one another. Right? But if you're going to be a... If you, you know, if you're dating somebody, you watch how they are around children. Watch them. Are they loving and kind around children, or are they, you know, get out of my way, you know, go away, you're bothering me. What is their attitude about children? It gives you a good clue. Amen. So anyway, Abraham, God chose him, chose him because he was going to lead his children the right way. Amen. So you do need to be a fruit inspector. You know, all you hear all these days is, oh, don't judge me, don't judge me. I'm telling you, you better judge people. Look at Matthew chapter 7. You need to be a fruit inspector. Because if you're a believer, you, you should have some fruit about yourself. People ought to be able to be around you for no more than five minutes and know that you're a believer. Right? Matthew chapter 7, Jesus said this in verses 15 through 20. First of all, he said, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. For you will know them by their fruits, Jesus said. So that's where I'm getting this. You need to be a fruit inspector. You need to be able to look at somebody. If they say they're a Christian, are they praising the Lord one minute and cussing the next? Are they drinking their iced tea and lemonade one minute and drinking their beer and their wine and their whiskey the next? You know, what kind of walk do they have? 
Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Can you go to a thorn bush and pull some grapes off of there? Do grapes grow on thorn bushes? No. Grapes go on grapevines, right? Okay. Uh, can you get t- figs off of a thistle bush? Do figs grow on trees? Yeah, figs grow on trees. Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits will you know them. So say, I I will be a fruit inspector. Say that. Okay. That's especially for you who are looking for a mate. You've got to be a fruit inspector. Okay? Now listen to this. If you are in a relationship where you're not spiritually yoked together, then you need to end it if you want to save yourself years of hell. Either that person decides they want the Jesus you have, or you go your separate way. Right? Okay, so what kind of fruit should a believer have? Somebody tell me. What kind of fruit would I look for if I were looking for a mate, if I were looking for a husband? What kind of fruit would I look for? What? Love. Jacob. What? What? I still can't. What? Fierceness? You want me to look for a fierce husband if I didn't have one? Why would I want a fierce husband? Fierce for what? To take care of you. To take care of me. He's going to beat everybody up. Not beat everybody up. <laughs> Okay, let me ask Sabrina. Maxine, okay, yes, ma'am. One that um, puts God first. One that puts God first. That means above you. That's right. You're looking for somebody that loves Jesus more than they love you. Right? Yes, ma'am. They should also be nice and kind and gentle. Be nice and kind and gentle. And if they love Jesus, they will be all those things. Yes, ma'am. Humble. Yeah, be able to say you're sorry. Okay. I'm still looking for a husband. Okay. What? They have a heart of service. They have a heart of service. Well, do they want to serve down at the bar or where do they want to serve at? They want to serve the Lord. How come all these women are answering these questions? I'm looking for a... Patience. Okay. Kindness. Okay. Robert. One like Robert. Okay. He's already taken. Any of you guys, any of you guys want something else you want to say? Anybody want to say anything else? I'm looking for a husband. What am I looking for? They have to have a job. A J-O-B job. Amen. You don't want to marry any bums that don't work. Good Lord, have mercy. <laughs> Chuck, they need to be a worshiper. Okay, now let's my list. I'm going to tell you my list. Okay, what kind of fruit should a believer have? 
Is there going to be a person that starts coming to church because you do, or a person who already comes to church? Okay. How about one who starts serving because you you do or one who already serves? What about one who worships because you do or one who worships freely? They already worship. What about one who joyfully tithes or a god robber? You can have a whole lot of fights about that at home. i got to tell you this true story. This is a true story. I'm not going to tell you whether it was here in Indiana, so you'll never know. And I won't name names. This woman says to me, Oh, we're tithers. And I said, well, How come I, ne- I never see your uh, name listed among the tithers? Well, because we just think that we need to give on our own and and God knows and nobody else needs to know. So I said, well, how do you tithe? Well, my husband puts cash in the offering. This guy had a good job. Good job. This is what I would see him do. They would walk up to the offering bucket holding hands. He would put the money in his pocket. You know, we count the cash that comes in, you know. The, 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 the offering, you know, somebody, people throw in 20 bucks, 100 bucks, whatever, 5 bucks, you know, whatever. He would, he would hold hands with her, and he would take some cash out of his pocket, wad it up, and he would put it in the thing. She didn't know he wasn't tithing. So good old me, I go over and I say, uh, hey, were there any large amounts of cash put in the offering? No, there's a 20 here or 5 here. You know, no, no there wasn't any big... So I, I, I watched that for a while. The wife thought that guy was tithing. He was a god robber. He didn't want her to know he wasn't tithing. You're cursed with a curse for you robbed me, even this whole nation. Isn't that interesting? I knew this person who married a person who had grown up in church. You know, that would be, you'd think... You know, that's safe. I can do this. This person's been in church their whole life. You know, I can, I can date this person. I can marry this person. They've been in church their whole life. person went to church every Sunday. My friend was a sold-out believer. And she married this guy thinking he was such a great Christian. Because he grew up in church. Some of the biggest people, sinners are people that grow up in church. You know Why? Because they have to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior on their own and change. So just because somebody sits in these seats doesn't mean they're a Christian. They can hear the, they can hear the message. That, I mean, we have altar call every service. They can hear the message, the gospel message, their entire life and never act on it. So therefore, are they a believer? No. Just because they come in here and hear it, you've got to be a doer of the word, not a hearer only, right? Okay. So, my friend married this guy thinking he was such a great Christian, but Jesus wasn't his Lord and Savior. He was his parents' Lord and Savior. 
You don't get together. You don't go to heaven on your dad and mom or your mate or anybody else. You go to the one-on-one thing. You know what I mean? So after they, they were married, he fought her tooth and nail about her Christianity. She, on the other hand, became more and more in love with Jesus. She got baptized in the Holy Ghost. He hated that. She lived in hell because she wanted to serve God. And he fought her the whole time. Not only that, but there were children involved. You won't take my children to that church. You won't, you won't, you won't, you won't. So the children become a little pawn, you know, tossed to and fro. They ended up getting a divorce. And in the courts, the children were fought over for a long time. Because the father didn't want the children serving God or hearing God or going to church or none of the above, even though he grew up in church. But the mother wanted her children to serve God. Children are the prize. So, you know, same thing can happen to a man. A man can marry an unbeliever. Women can be hateful, I'm telling you. Wait till you read my book. (laughs) (laughs) Women can be really bad. And I'm not saying men can't be bad. You know, men can be horribly abusive, but women can be real stinkers. Oh, I got, we got another scripture to look up. Look, let's look up Matthew chapter 11. Oh gosh. I thought I was going to be done with this early and here it is 8 o'clock already. I've got to hustle. Okay, Matthew chapter 11. Jesus says this. Verse 28. You've got to be patient if you're believing for a man. You've got to be patient. Man, don't settle for some dud. You're going to be so miserable in life if you do. You are just going to be so sad, so miserable. You know, just make your request known to God. You know, say, Lord, I'm, I really desire to have a husband or a wife, and I want somebody that serves serves you even better than I do, you know, or whatever, you know. You don't want to compromise on any of this. Matthew 11, verse 28, Jesus said this, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon you. Remember, we're talking about yokes. Who or what are you yoked up to? Jesus said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls if you're yoked up with Jesus. And he says in verse 30, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If you're yoked up with Jesus, I'm not saying you're not going to have problems, but I know the problem solver. Amen. And guess who wins? We always win because of Jesus, right? Amen. Okay, so I hope that that helps some of you tonight, especially you single folks, because you need to do this the right way. Right? Okay. And don't start a business with a Unbeliever, amen. Okay, let's stand up. Somebody sing me a song. My <laughs> I'll turn me off. You need prayer for anything? Come on up here. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.